Hello swimmers and welcome to this week's edition of Torpedo Swim Talk. I'm your host Danielle Sperling and each week I chat to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. Today's guest is Canadian Olympian and master swimmer now living in Australia, Tim Buck. Hi Tim, welcome to the podcast. Hi Danielle, thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Where are you coming to us from today? I'm coming from Dalesford in the central highlands of Victoria, Australia. Fabulous. It's a beautiful, beautiful area in the Hepburn Shire. How long have you lived there? Uh, Coming up to eight years now, Danielle. It was a transition to retirement when we bought a place here. And um, soon after that, it, uh, it just became home. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful spot in the world. Lovely. And when did you uh, get your last swim in? I swam last night in Lake Dalesford. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. What's the yeah. uh, water, water temperature there like at the moment? Uh, it was about 23, 24 last night, but in summer with a, a few warm days, the, the water temperature is 26 or 27. It's not um, not much different than a, an indoor pool, really. Oh, but nice. The lake is fabulous for swimming from about late November through to mid to late March. Oh, very nice. And there's, there's no pool in Dalesford. Well, there's there's an outdoor 50-metre pool um, that's uh, sort of a 1960s build, and it's one of those ones without a wet deck and really deteriorating and hasn't been maintained. And... Uh, uh, they don't have lap lanes, so you're fighting with kids and floating toys. And um, uh, one of my one of my retirement projects has been to work with a group of people here to get a swimming pool for Dalesford, an indoor year-round aquatic centre. But um, it's yet to come to fruition. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that as well. Is that are those plans to cover the existing pool, or is this a brand new aquatic facility? Well, that's yet to be decided. The Shire has just had a, a draft aquatic strategy report that was partially funded, funded by Sport and Rec Victoria and partly by the council. Um, uh, I've seen a draft report. It's, it's a little bit disappointing in that the, the council wanted a draft strategy for the next 10 years for all of their aquatics facilities. And what the consultants have given them is a shopping list of more consultancies that they should engage in. I suppose that's the way consultants uh, make a dime. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of money, though, to watch going down the drain, isn't it, when you really... Oh, yeah, they paid, paid $80,000 for this consultancy, and the recommendations include uh, another $360,000 in consultancies. Wow. Um, and and eight million dollars just to fix OHS issues and and bring up bring the pools up to some um, acceptable usable standard. So um, there's a lot of work to be done and an, an awful lot of money to be spent. And I'm not sure how soon that'll happen. Yeah. So you can't really ever swim at the uh, at the pool in Dalesford. So where where do you swim now if you're looking for a pool? Uh, I swim in Cotton, which is a an eight lane, twenty five meter pool. A few of us drive over there 
uh, of an early morning, and I'm also a member of the Ballarat Masters Swim Club, and we swim at the uh, Eureka Pool in Ballarat, or the um, or the Aquatic Centre, which is a fantastic fantastic facility. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I we were up there. Was it last year or the year before? And we stayed at Clunes. There's a beautiful little uh, 25 metre pool there. It was at the end of the street we were staying, but it was closed. Um, but yeah, I drove into Ballarat and had a swim at the uh, aquatic centre. It's a beautiful facility. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I I think it's second only to MSAC in uh, in the state of Victoria. It's yeah, well, it's 1.8 meters, 50 lanes, um, oh, 50 meters, eight lanes. Uh, uh, great, great facility. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think I think the. Um, the Master Swimming Victoria short course titles were going to be held there about two years ago, and then we went into lockdown. Um, yeah, yeah I remember that. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and that's actually, funnily enough, that's coming up this weekend, this Saturday, is the, um, yeah, the MSV short course titles. Uh, I've, um, I was swimming Master's comps very regularly when we lived in Melbourne. I... I um, we had a pool at the university and uh, I swam with the Masters Club in Ivanhoe uh, almost daily. Um, but it's hard to to keep yourself fit for competing if you can only swim three or four times, three times a week, yeah. sometimes twice, sometimes not at all. Well, I think that the work you're doing to try and get an aquatic centre in Dalesford can only help all those master swimmers out there and, and all the kids out there that need to get into a pool and, and start some well, swimming. That's, that's my big motivation. It's not about me, Danielle. Um, I, I had a lot of opportunities uh, in, in my childhood and, and uh, teenage years and early adulthood that were, were provided by swimming, and it, it was just because there was a swimming pool there. Uh, there's um, there's 1,700 kids in this shire who have to travel half an hour to get a swimming lesson. Uh, it's just, um, uh, I, uh, it, it concerns me that they, they're not getting adequate water safety instruction. It concerns me that they don't have opportunities to develop their love of swimming. Swimming is, the most popular sport in Australia among girls um, 12 to 15 and the second most popular for boys. Um, I, I think it's uh, a tragedy that there's not better facilities in this show. I agree. And also it's a, a lifelong sort of love that you can have with swimming. You don't have to, because it's not high impact, obviously. You can yeah, do it from, okay. uh, you know, in your younger years right through to, um, to our age. <laughs> And that's that's the other thing. Uh, the Hepburn Shire is a well. Uh, it it attracts a lot of tree changers who are retiring, and so there's um, the 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 over sixty population of Hepburn Shire is something like thirty four percent, whereas the the Victorian Victorian average is more like twenty percent. There's a huge number of older people here who would really benefit from low impact body weight supported exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the health benefits of having a, a, a year round indoor aquatic facility would, would pay for themselves in, in um, quality of life and, and uh, decreased mortality and decreased hospitalization. But, you know, bureaucrats don't see that. 
No, no, no. Well, keep fighting the good fight because I think that that's a really worthwhile cause. And let's hope that even if some people listening to this podcast can get involved and help you, um, that you can get that indoor pool in Dalesford. Yeah, thanks, Danielle. Yeah. Having a look at your own swimming. So when you when you are getting into Ballarat or swimming at Kyneton, how, how far do you swim in a session these days? Oh, four to between three and five K really. Um, uh, with, with the Masters Club, we swim 3,000 metres during the week and 4,000 metres on the weekend. Uh, if, if I'm on my own, I, uh, it's not unusual for me to do four and a half or five kilometres. Yeah. I, I get into the water and I love it and I can't stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> what do you, um, when you buy yourself, what, what sort of things attract you to do in your training? Like what's your go-to set that you would do? Oh, I, I mix it up a lot. I, I write the programs for Ballarat Masters. Um, and, and so I've got a lot of ideas. Often I'll swim uh, the, the workout that I've set for the Masters, only swim, swim it twice or, or, or double it. I don't think I've got a, a go-to set. I, I suppose the 10-100 zone one and a half is, is my test of, uh, of my, my current status. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't really have I, I, I mix it up but swimming for me is very meditative I, I get into the water and I get into a groove and I just cruise uh, it you know it's it's uh, it, you you have uh, you don't hear things you don't smell things you see very little but a black line or in a lake uh, a murky bottom of a lake uh, it's just um it gets you into a very meditative state, uh, and, and I love that. I, I can feel my body. I, um, I, I feel small differences in my stroke, and I, I correct and I do drills to emphasize certain things. And I just, I, I listen to myself, and I, I, um, I just get away from from the world for a while in in earlier days it was a really important mental health break for me um it, it was uh, as good at maintaining physical health and mental health as it was at maintaining physical health yeah i absolutely agree with you and a lot of people i speak to on the podcast have those same kind of feelings and i think that the more people that can get to experience that the better that beautiful meditation it, it takes a long time to get to that point, nice. uh, you know, and, and my swimming ability, I, I tell people, is um, a result of a misspent youth, but <laughs> I don't regret that misspent youth. Uh, um, swimming is uh, a, a wonderful physical and uh, um, wonderful physical exercise and a wonderful mental reprieve. Yeah. I agree. And just touching on your swims in Lake Dalesford, um, do you do that with other swimmers or are you out there, you know, by yourself, solo swimming in Lake Dalesford? Oh, there's there's a group of us. We've got a messenger group. Uh, if we're going for a swim, we just put something up saying, you know, might say I'm going later today or I'm going tomorrow or I'm going in 10 minutes. Uh, people will join me. Um, uh, often I, I just end of the day go down and have a, a swim uh, 
6.30 or 7 o'clock just, uh, just to wash off the day and get ready for the evening. Yeah. And any creatures in there that you have to be wary of? No, no creatures. There's, there's a lot of um, uh, old housewives' tales about the mine shafts at the bottom of Lake Dalesford sucking in unsuspecting children um uh, you know some sort of a vortex that opens up and the the lake suddenly drains out through a mine shaft and poor unsuspecting children disappear and never seen again but i think it's it's a little bit like all of those mother's stories that are invented to protect kids from danger you know um uh, don't you know? Don't swim after a meal, or you get cramps. What it really means? I want to have, I want to have fifteen minutes to myself after you've had lunch. Um, uh, so, so there's never been a, uh, a documented case of that. People have drowned in Lake Dalesford, but uh, uh, a doctor friend of mine says the vast majority, who's worked here for twenty five years, says the vast majority of them are suicides. Oh right. Wow. How far is it across Lake Dalesford? We run a we swim a circuit that's about one point two kilometers. Right. We we have an annual uh, the we, we call it the Lake Dalesford Swim Classic. Um, it's the uh, highest altitude uninsured open water swim in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When, when is that on? <laughs> oh, it if in in a normal year it would have been last week. February 27, um, uh, but COVID restrictions and um, all of those event requirements, uh, we, we cancelled our event this year. I, I know that Jamestown had to swim that day, um, but uh, we, we decided back in January at the peak of the Omicron wave that we'd just let it ride this year and try to resurrect it next year. Yeah, well, I hope you can get it up and running next year because it sounds like a good swim, something to put in the calendar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so take us back to how you got started in swimming in Canada. Where did you Where did you grow up, and how did you get started? I I lived in Calgary um, in a relatively new housing development. I was lucky enough that uh, very close to our house, a new YMCA opened up. Uh, it had a four-lane, 25-yard pool, if you can imagine something that small. Yeah. Um, uh, but it also had a very good swim coach. Uh, the swim coach there um, uh, had developed a number of uh, Canadian age group record holders. Um, he happened to be appointed head coach of the 1971 Pan American Games team and the 1972 Olympic Games team. He took three swimmers from that tiny pool to the Olympic Games in 1972. Right. So it was it was it was just uh, an accident, really. There was a pool within walking distance. I was the the oldest of eight kids. My my parents didn't have time to run me around to to training and and. Um, uh, uh, to meets, um, but there was a pool very close by that happened to be very good. And I just wonder, you know, how many kids out there uh, could be Olympic swimmers and have never had an opportunity to, to get into a pool? You know, yeah. that takes us back to my passion for um, 
for developing an indoor aquatics facility in Dalesford. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and what about the sort of the transition from those early days in swimming in Canada? Um, you went to SFU um, University in, in Canada. Was there a strong collegiate swimming program there? There was a, a there, there wasn't a strong collegiate program in Canada. Um, I went to Simon Fraser on a scholarship, a, a sports scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a tra- I had applied to universities in the states as well, but but I wanted to swim in Canada, and Simon Fraser had the the best uh, collegiate swimming program in the country, um, because they offered scholarships. The other Canadian universities wouldn't compete against them, and that was uh, that was a bonus in some respects because we did all of our comp- competition in the states, so we were swimming against. University of Washington, University of Oregon, Cal Berkeley, um, universities all up and down the West Coast of the US that had really strong swimming programs. So the the competition was fantastic. Yeah, amazing. And so um, you qualified to represent Canada at the Munich Olympics in 72. Were you still at university then or had you transitioned out of that? Talk us through that. I was second year university. I was 19 years old. I was, a, I was pretty young and naive in 1972. <laughs> it seems like another lifetime, Danielle. <laughs> it was that long ago. Oh, amazing! And what was the what was the um, the preparation like that you put in for that? So you were in the hundred freestyle, am I correct? Uh, I only swam the four by one hundred free relay, so I was. Um, I was one of the ones who was making up the numbers, Danielle. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't one of the superstars. Um, uh, so yes, I was. I was, I was a sprint freestyler. Um, back in those, I, I was a uh, you know one of the um, fall flat in your face fifty freestylers, the sprint wow. freestylers. The, the fifty was my best event, uh, but they didn't have fifties back then. Um, I had to sort of push myself all the way through to. 100 meters or 200 wow. meters. Um, uh, and, you know, we've got specialist freestylers, uh, 50 meter freestylers today that, um, uh, and, and back in those days, it was a really big event in the US collegiate program. Yes. The 50 freestylers were revered. Um, uh, and, and so I was, I was the specialist sprint freestyler at Simon Fraser. Uh, um, yeah. So I swam. In the collegiate meets, just swam three events. I swam the 50, the 100, and the uh, and, and the medley relay. Yeah. Well, your your four by 100 free relay there made the final. What memories have you got from that race? What was it like in the ready room, and what did you feel like when you came out on the pool deck? Oh, it was it was um, it was pretty exciting. Obviously, uh, um, uh, you know. With, the, the team gets together and you support each other in the in the ready room and the the lead up. You walk out onto the deck and there's ten thousand people in the in the stands. My parents were there. That was pretty exciting. Um, it was uh, it was huge. Um, yeah. Well, I guess yeah. It's it's a, a kind of an indescribable feeling. It, it's um, it's inspiring. It's frightening. Uh, it's intimidating. Uh, yeah, 
you want to do really well, but more than that, you don't want to screw up. And and uh, it was it was really exciting to be around a, a group of such fast swimmers. You know, yeah. um, Mark Spitz and Gary Hall and uh, um, those sorts of people were in the American team, which was in the next lane to us. Uh, it was um, yeah, it was all really exciting. Yeah, it's an exciting time. I've I've had Gary Hall Senior on on the podcast actually. Yeah, yeah. He talked through a little bit of that experience as well. What yeah. what was the um, Olympic Village like to um to be in at that time? Oh, it was it was really exciting. I, um, I think was, the Olympic Village is is a an assembly of the best athletes from the whole world. Uh, some of them aren't there to win medals and they know it they're there for the experience and those are the ones who uh were trading pins and and uh playing music and and juggling in the center of the village and they made it a real party atmosphere it was fantastic um uh it was it was something it just absorbed and the, the olympic village had pubs and restaurants and souvenir shops and clothing shops and everything it was it was um oh yeah it was fun it was fun yeah. i'm sure they all are um yeah they sound pretty uh, exciting these days <laughs> yeah as as you may know though the um in the middle of those games and in fact on the last night of the swimming the um uh black september terrorist group attacked the village and took a number of australia of, of israelis captive hostage uh, and and after that, the village was a very quiet place. Uh, it was, um, uh, well, yeah, p- people were in a state of shock and a state of mourning for, for the rest of the games. And, and uh, many of us just avoided the village um, as much as we could. Was there security around the village at that time that you could come there, and... There was there was some security um I, I mean they had people checking passes at the front gate and the back gate to the village the back gate to the village which was very close to our building went through to the press center and at the time uh canada and russia had negotiated the first hockey tournament between their professional players so that Canada could take all their NHL stars and Russia could take all their best players and put them in a tournament. Up until that time, uh, competitions had been amateur uh, in that um, in that the Canadian team couldn't have received any financial benefit from playing hockey, and the Russian team were all in the army, you know, training hockey six hours a day. Um, and so there, this this was the first time that each country assembled their very best players uh, for a tournament. We went over there to watch the first game because it happened uh, sort of um, three or four days into the Olympic Games. Um, uh, and we came back and the back gate was blocked and closed and the guards were gone. So we just jumped over the gate. It was it wow. was easy. That's that's how lax the security was. Yeah. Uh, 
And and five days later, the Arab terrorists uh, jumped over exactly the same gate at wow. two or three o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah. That's terrible. So security, there was token security, but um, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, anybody could have walked into the village up until that time. Yeah, well, I hope they've learned, obviously they have from that experience. So they keep the athletes a lot safer these days. Oh yeah, the, uh, I went to the World Student Games the following year in Moscow and the uh, the security was just right over the top. And I, I think, um, uh, well, obviously other other Olympic organizing committees and, and major games organizing committees have have learned from that experience and are frightened to death of, of uh, some sort of repeat experience. So they, yeah. security is, is obviously very tight. Yeah, absolutely. So how does a Canadian find himself living now in Australia? What was the transition to coming here? Uh, I, I, I finished my university undergraduate degree and did a master's degree in biomechanics and sports science. Uh, I traveled to Australia after I'd finished my master's. And while I was here, they advertised a job. Uh, so I applied for the job and I moved here on a two-year contract. That was 1980. <laughs> and I've just, I've just never looked back. I, I love Australia. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's a very easy migration because Canadians and Australians are very similar in their worldview. They have a very, they speak the same language. They have a similar sense of humor. They love sport. Uh, they're Commonwealth countries. Uh, um, the the only um, the only difference is that Australia's got a much better climate. <laughs> what university were you uh, lecturing at? I came here for a job at uh, Latrobe at Lincoln Institute in oh, yes. Melbourne, which which uh, was training um, allied health science professionals. Uh, I got uh, I, I transitioned from sports biomechanics to rehabilitation biomechanics. Did yeah. a lot of research and teaching in artificial limbs and braces, prosthetics and orthotics. Oh. Um, Lincoln Institute later amalgamated with La Trobe University and uh, to become the Faculty of Health Sciences at La Trobe. So I went along there. Um, did very. I didn't do the same job for all that time. My job kept changing, um, and and towards the end of my career, we established a, an exercise and sports science program at the Bendigo campus of La Trobe University, mm -hmm. and so I was involved in curriculum development and then teaching in that program, and that meant. Um, spending a couple of days a week at the Bendigo campus. And that was becoming a longer term arrangement. So my wife and I looked around for, for a place in between Melbourne and Bendigo and landed in Dalesford. Dalesford, yeah. It's such a beautiful part of Victoria. It's stunning. Um, how long did you, so when you moved here, how long were you out of the water after your Olympic career and um, career in Canada before you sort of found master swimming? Well, the, the move to Australia occurred at a time when it was pretty easy for me to move because it was unencumbered by children and mortgages and things like that. But I, I soon um, 
soon had a, we had a couple of kids. Uh, I was busy establishing a career. I was working really hard and trying to spend time with my family. And uh, so swimming really went by the wayside for 20 years or so. Um, but I got back into swimming uh, partly to rehabilitate an in, a shoulder that had injured playing cricket. Um, uh, and um, started doing a few of the open water races, but I would have been 50 at the time. So other than a bit of water polo and, and occasional swims, I was probably away from regular swimming for about 25 years. Yeah. Um, uh, but then I, I found a, a, a great master's club and a great coach in, um, in Heidelberg, uh, in Melbourne, and uh, started swimming again and started really enjoying the, the open water swims and um, went to the world championships in Perth, uh, had a great time, met a, met a bunch of people from, from my youth, in fact, uh, ran, into, ran into some old friends there that I'd fallen out of touch with. It was it was uh, a different experience being back in competition. Um, you you know yourself an awful lot better as as a, an adult. Um, you're you're not uh, frightened by competition. You don't have the same fear of failure. Uh, you're much more in in tune with um, what you what you want to do and what you need to do. Uh, I, I found it a, a quite a different experience, not as uh, there wasn't the same adrenaline rush, but uh, I think I, in a way, I enjoyed the racing a lot more um, uh, because, because I felt like I was more in control. Um, I, I, I think back in my days, the, the emphasis was on physical preparation and not mental preparation. You sort of had to figure out how you were going to prepare yourself. There wasn't a lot of guidance. There weren't sports psychologists involved. Um, uh, all of that is is relatively new. I mean, we, when we went to the Olympic Games in 1972, we had a masseur with us. That was the that was the support group. There was no such thing as as um, physios and sports scientists and filming crews and biomechanists and nutritionists and and 15 coaches, um, uh, you were you were pretty much on your own. I was really fortunate that my coach was one of the Olympic coaches. Uh, most uh, most of my teammates were there, all on their own with with someone who didn't know them, um, and, and and that's a frightening experience for. Uh, most of us were teenagers, you know, uh, I think the oldest girl on the team might have been 21 or 22, but most of them were 14, 15, um, maybe 18 or 19. Uh, really, uh, really young, without a, a well-developed sense of the world, without an understanding of their own self and their own makeup and their own um, feelings. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what I'm saying is that in in many ways I enjoyed world championships as an adult um, I enjoyed the racing more than than I did when I was a kid yeah absolutely I think the pressure's off as well although you you always feel somewhat nostalgic about the times that you can't get back to <laughs> from when you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, 
that ship has definitely sailed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a long, long ago. It's sunk already, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Look, Tim, I like to I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast um, a fast five questions, so you can just say the first thing that pops into your head. Um, yeah. First question: What's your favourite pool that you've ever swum in? Mortlake. Where's Mortlake situated? Mortlake is down towards Hamilton. Yep. It's an outdoor six-lane, 50-metre pool built in the 1960s, but they've maintained it. It's got beautiful parklands around it. Uh, the water temperature in summer is magic. Um, uh, well, you know, I've Danielle, I've swum in a million pools. Yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. One to put on the list, absolutely. Um, when you train, do you like kick or pull better? Oh, pull. Pull, okay. Favourite stroke? Freestyle. Yes. And morning like or afternoon? towards backstroke. Can I have two answers? <laughs> yeah, you can have two answers. That, that's fine. I love, I love coming backstroke in, in Lake Dalesford because I can see the sky and the trees and the cliffs and um yeah backstroke's a really beautiful stroke if if uh if you want to relax and enjoy the world around you yeah very nice morning or afternoon training morning morning yes and favorite swimming afternoon afternoons for a leisure swim yes yeah i agree yep all the hard work happens in the morning favorite swim memory Oh, the Olympic Games has to be right up there. Yeah, absolutely. And you also mentioned the World University Games. Did you, um, you obviously represented Canada there. Any other Canadian swim teams that you were on during that sort of 1970s period? I was on, a, uh, I was on the Pan American Games team in 71, uh, Olympic Games in 72 and World Student Games in 73. I was at a number of other um a number of other competitions that they sent sent you to international invitationals that weren't associated with major games. Um, one of my favourites, I think, was uh, the the Crystal Palace meet in London, where um, I spent a lot of time with Shane Gould and uh, Brad Cooper, and um, uh, the Australians and Canadians have always been good friends. But at that meet, we had a particularly nice time together. Yeah, I think Canadians and Australians, as you say, are very similar in a lot of ways um, and get along very well. Just that little bit of fierce competition during the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. <laughs> Although Canada's having a huge resurgence in swimming at the moment. Their, their women are swimming very well, aren't they? Um, Penny Alexiak, uh, Taylor Ruck, um, um, uh, the backstroker, um, Kylie, Kylie Mats, Kylie Mats. The, the, the women, the women are doing really well. I think they got a silver and a bronze in the the two sprint relays in um, uh, in Beijing or in Tokyo. Um, the the men not so much. I don't think the men won any medals in um, Rio or or Tokyo. Uh, but there's a crowd. There's a crew of women coming along. They're just really sensational, top of the world. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was a great Olympics, Olympics for the Canadian women and the Australian and, and, the, and the Australians. The Australians really came back. It was oh, uh, it was great to see Emma McKeon swimming so well and Ariane Titmus. Uh, those were um, those were really really exciting swims. They were. I love watching and swim. She's such a beautiful swimmer. Yeah, she is, isn't she? Yeah. And so know? smooth and smooth and symmetrical and powerful and she just seems like a wisp of a thing i don't know how she goes so fast <laughs> yeah do you know the woodhouse family no i don't no it's, rob's probably a bit younger but i i had him on the podcast a few weeks ago but yeah, oh, emma, yeah. emma comes from a very long line of great swimmers yeah. both her parents yes. and uncle yes. obviously and her brother and yeah so it's a bit of a swimming dynasty yeah yeah, absolutely. Well, Tim, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been lovely um, getting to know you and hearing about your swimming journey. And best of luck with getting that Dalesford Indoor Aquatic Centre up and running. Thanks, Danielle. It's lovely talking to you. Yes, nice chatting with you too. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Take care, bye. Thanks for listening into the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Tim. Don't forget we have an extra pod each week full of Masters Swimming news. It's called TST Quick Splash. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. Till next time, happy swimming and bye for now.